0: Absolutely. It depends on the uh, C.O.R.
1: of the flagstick, so the Co-Vision Restitution flagstick. In U.S. Opens, I'll take it out, and uh, every other tour event, when it's uh, fiberglass, I'll leave it in and bounce that ball against the flagstick if I need to.
0: Welcome back, podcast patrons, to another episode of Leave the Pin Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Dan, and I've got with me Mr. New Year, my man, Scott. Scott, what's the good word?
1: Yeah, first of all, Happy New Year, everyone. Uh, I will be sitting here counting down uh, the minutes to the new year and the minutes to uh, when the weather is better for golf. Uh, Although today, despite the fact that we're two days before Christmas, uh, it was uh, pretty solid out there. If I had an opportunity to play, I probably could have. Yeah, you know, we, we
0: got a day like this, Scott, like five years ago or so, and I keep on getting a Facebook time hop type thing that shows me in a red polo shirt playing Indian Mountain on Christmas morning at like 9 a.m., and it was 58 degrees. Today got up to 53 by me. I was literally, no joke, hitting golf balls in a Leave the Pin t-shirt today.
1: Uh, I saw that. I'm actually wearing the same t-shirt right now.
0: It's, uh, it's a good life, man. When the sun is shining, it is it is an absolute good life. So, Scott, 2019, uh, this is the Leave the Pin 2019 year-end show, right? There will not be another one in 2019. People, this is all you get until the new year and Lua comes around. We had a pretty big year, Scotto.
1: So, this was one of those, like, hey, <laughs> want to start a podcast thing? And... You know who knows this is one of those things that could have lasted you know forever or it could have fizzled out after a couple but yeah. 62 later we're still here and stronger than ever so that that's pretty awesome
0: yeah 62 episodes is not for nuts for the people that are new listeners that don't know the whole story it goes simply like this one of my co-workers said to me i have a podcast you ever listen to podcasts and i said yeah i've listened to podcasts before you know um, not to give any free ads, but some of the OGs, No Laying Up, Shotgun Start, some of the ones that I love to listen to. And he said, well, you know like so much about golf. Why don't you come on my sports podcast? And I said, okay. So I came on. And uh, I said, wait a minute. I said, this is, this is pretty cool. I like this. I like people listening to my voice. I like hearing my own voice. Uh, how do I do this? And he goes, well, you should start your own podcast. You ever think about it? And I said, well, of course I've thought about doing my own podcast. Uh, I'd be great at it. But I don't know how. It's too hard. Not going to do it. And he said, listen, you're an idiot. It's very simple. Let me show you. Um, he was correct about being the idiot part. It is not the hardest thing in the world. However, Scott, as you know, we've been through many iterations. And I have recently gone back and listened to some of the old episodes. And I can tell you, it, they are cringeworthy. Some of them are very difficult to listen to. Uh,
1: I, I like to just think about the ones that I um, recorded in my car. Uh, some, you know, in front of my daughter's yoga studio, some like in a mall parking lot, because that was just when we had time. Um, and yeah, I those are, are not easy to listen to.
0: Yeah, it's nuts to think about where we've done some of them the different iterations of recording and broadcasting programs that we've been through and and like anything the more you do it the more you learn the more you become comfortable the the more people you meet people show you the tips and tricks on how to work things and I really think that that we've grown and I mean there's a whole list of people we'll get to at the end of the episode that we've got to thank but most importantly our sponsors McEwen Golf and Boston Scott Golf and I know that by the time you're listening to this, it's either Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. However, even though it might be past the time of when Santa drops everything off at your house, it's still a nice thing to treat the people in your life to some cool golf gear. And you can't go wrong with Boston Scott Golf or McEwen Golf. Check them both out online and on the Internet. Scott, what are some of your big takeaways for you for the year, this golfing year?
1: Uh, for me, so uh, my, my personal golf game. Yeah. Is that what you're asking about? So, yeah. so here's the deal. Uh, for uh, I'd say about three years, of um, uh, three years, well, five years ago, and then for three years after that, I joined a private club. That club closed down. They actually went semi private, but it got kind of crazy expensive for what it was. So I didn't join. That year, I didn't play any golf. Then, the last two years, I was a member at uh, another club and decided this year I wasn't going to take a membership because it was, I couldn't justify the expense. It was going to cost close to $200 a round. Um, and that's if I played a lot and I wasn't going to be able to. So, I barely played any golf. Um, and unfortunately for me, I do think that. Having that membership and having the ability to just go and play two holes, you know, really quickly and not have to worry about, you know, shelling out money for it, that makes all the difference in the world. So next year, uh, I have to figure out a way to make it work. Um, and even though it will be absurdly expensive, uh, I will be once again a private club golfer. Scotto getting
0: back into the upper crust game of golf.
1: Which in where I live is not easy. Um, If you really have to hunt around for a deal, because you know, and if you've been listening long enough, we've talked about it. I live in New York, um, and I live in an area very close to Westchester, New York. So, if you would like to uh, experience what it's like to be surrounded by any number of legendary golf courses that you have almost zero chance of playing on. Uh, just come hang out with me for a little bit. I'll take you up for a ride. I'll show you Wingfoot. I'll show you Sleepy Hollow. I'll show you golf courses you didn't even know exist that have been around for almost 100 years.
0: I think that no true words have been spoken. I don't think there's many areas of the country that people can lay claim to that. I think of you. I think of people living out uh, east on the island. And then I think of people living in and around the Philadelphia suburban region. Those three Mm -hmm. areas of the country literally are littered with top tier 100 courses. And like you mentioned, this is the greatest point, which I think people are completely blind to. The fact that there are courses out there that are better than the top 100 courses that you know the names of. Pine Valley, Marion, you named it, Wingfoot, Sleepy Hollow, all those, right? There are courses better than those. But you know what? They don't want the publicity. They want to keep it to 150 members, 200 members. They want you know, longevity members, lineage members that can only be entered through you know, familial ties. There are courses out there that are like that that we will never know about, that people never know about. Um, because they don't open their doors to the Golf Digest or the Golf.com Raiders. They don't let the drive, chip, and putt kids in ever. They don't host the U.S. Opens or the top-tier amateur tournaments in the Northeast. And they're numerous, Scotto, and you literally live uh, in the hotbed of one of them.
1: Uh, absolutely. Uh, and, and we drove up from Long Island yesterday, back and forth, and the top 100 courses in new york state that we passed on our trip um well i'm just looking at right now uh, a website that has a list of the top 100 we probably passed close to 10 of the top 20
0: yeah it's just it's a gluttonous amount
1: yep absolutely so But, but hey
0: but that's hey that's very cool Scotto's going to be pegging it a lot more and getting that handicap down, and uh, and we'll be doing a lot more leave-the-pin uh, events. You know, we did one at Black Bear Golf Club this year. Um, we did one Where was that other one, Scotto? Uh,
1: Van Cortland Park?
0: Yeah, Van Cortland Park. I don't know why I blanked on that. And then uh, we just did one at Infinity Golf in Phillipsburg, which I planned on, had all intentions— of going over the last two days. But it has been so nice here. I said, uh, not going to do it. I'm going to go outside and bang balls. And I'll tell you what, it's it's one of those times in the Northeast where you get to the point and you look and there's no snow. And you see the grass, and it's not even that wet. And you hit some balls, you're like, oh, the turf feels a little bit hard. And then you go to try to put a tee in. It can get about an inch, maybe, of the tee in the ground still. So you still got that bottom layer of kind of almost, you know, winter permafrost and only the top layer has uh maybe the top inch inch and a half has thawed but uh had a great rain session today The, the new clubs are just on point and i'm just dying to get out to a course of play maybe tomorrow might be able to to bang out a quick nine tomorrow before uh christmas eve activities go down
1: oh that that's awesome yeah i mean i have a trip back to long island so not happening for me but I'll golf vicariously through you.
0: No doubt, no doubt, and uh, and I will post some stuff if I get a chance, and we'll do that. All right. Well, let's without further ado, Scott, let's hit the 2019 Leave the Pin Year End Review. Uh, you want to just ping pong back and forth with some of these?
1: Uh, sounds good. But we 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 have the same number one, I think. So why don't we? You want to start that way?
0: Yeah. Let's let's hit it, man. I mean, I mean, the reason why we have our name. Leave the pin. The 2019 rule changes. It's incredible, Scott. It feels like so long ago that we were getting geared up for Kapalua. Everyone was kind of worrying about, are people going to leave the pin in? Are they going to take it out? Who's going to do what? Bryson spewing off about the coefficient of restitution of the flag sticks.
1: Um, Adam, a
0: yeah, a few times. Adam Scott has, you know gone AWOL with putting but feels like this is going to save his life um so I've got some some things that I want to go over some of the rule changes you know because some of these things people don't even remember they just remember the leave kind of leaving the pin in type thing and the new drop procedure which we saw from a bunch of guys but um
1: first that became became a a whole hot topic also early in the season because you know Ricky Fowler got hit with a penalty and then you know, tried to make a mockery of it. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, uh, that, that was literally the first three months of the year, and we'll start off with that. You've got the new procedure. you got to drop from the knees, right? Bryson has issues with it. He kind of short circuits. Ricky has issues with it. Um, at the WGC Mexico, Ricky gets penalized for the shoulder height drop, right? He goes out, drops at shoulder height, and then is like, oh, my God, I can't believe I did that. I'm just so hardwired to do it. I've been doing it my whole life. Then at PJ National – He jokes with the rules officials that he should drop it uh, from the poop stance, if you will, and says that I still haven't found a way to make it look cool or athletic. Quote, I think it's a terrible change. Um, Also, my favorite part, I'm going to ask which one was your favorite. My favorite was Bryson literally almost melting down after he had to take the first drop from his knees asking over and over and over to an official, is this right, like this? Do I do it this way? Should it be this way? I don't want to get penalized. And the guy was like, just just drop it from your knee, dude. It is not that difficult. But obviously, Bryce and the scientists had to overanalyze things and literally looked like um, that robot in short circuit when it gets wet and just goes all haywire.
1: <laughs> yes, that, that's an accurate description.
0: <laughs> so... Very- you know, it, it's, you know, a lot of it, I think, was just the guys poking fun at it and stuff. Um, but let's be honest. I think Ricky's right. There, there's not really a way to make it look cool or athletic. I'm personally, Scott, in favor of you drop it anywhere from your knee to your shoulder, anywhere in between there. So then you can just kind of put it out in front of you and let it drop. But you make a rule that says the arm must be completely static and still right before you're about to take the drop, just so guys aren't, you know, raising and lowering their arms like a lever.
1: Right. Uh, The other thing they could have done was said, you know, listen, we're going to put this rule in place. However, this year is going to be a transition year and give them the option of doing anywhere between the knee and the shoulder for this year. Uh, Again, with the, you know, kind of the stiff arm, like you said. Um, And essentially, this year becomes the, the trial year. You see where people are dropping it from, and then maybe you change the rule, or maybe you keep the rule the way it is, or maybe you go you know, and just say, okay, no, we're doing the knee height. That's what we're doing. We're sticking you know, with our decision. Uh, you know, but it would have given everyone a year to kind of adjust to it. I think it would have made a little more people a little bit more happy about it.
0: You know, I think that's a great point. First off, in any other league... When things are implemented, they're rolled out, right? They're not just thrown at them like shock and awe. So, take for example baseball nowadays. Everyone wants to move, or well, not everybody, but a lot of people want to move towards um, digitized or computerized strike zone, right? So they've done that in some minor league systems where they have an ump, but they also have the computerized strike zone. The thought premise for major league baseball is the fact that we'll do it in all these little collegiate leagues that travel around. Then maybe we'll do it to short season class a, then finally maybe class a, then we move it up to double a, then triple a. And then finally, finally, maybe we implement it in a few games or for a week in major league baseball. And then we extrapolate it out. We just don't say, Hey, umpires, your job is gone. Um, we're sticking, you know, RoboCop back there, right? But in turn, the PGA Tour literally said to the guys, hey, here are the rules changes, get to know them, because they're starting in January. Which, you know, for a professional adult player across the spectrum, male, female, uh, LPGA, Latino America, Canadian, Mackenzie Tour, all those, right? It should be pretty easy. But I also empathize with these guys that have been playing this way for 20, 30 years, these girls that grew up dropping a certain way, having five minutes to look for a ball, all these things, and then all of a sudden, we're just going to say to them, hey, in your first professional tournament, you know, you're out there with just yourself and your caddy, get it right, otherwise you're penalized.
1: Yeah, that, that like I said, that's the thing that doesn't make sense to me, because they, especially for, the, the professionals been doing this forever, like, that's the way they've done it. So, like you said, they're just hardwired to do it a certain way. Why, why go, you know, completely change up things that they've been doing since they were little kids?
0: Right. Um, some of the other penalties, penalties, sorry, some of the other rule changes we have are, we have no penalty now for accidentally moving a ball during a search. So, coming up this week, we have Kapalua. Let's rewind to Kapalua 2019, And Webb Simpson is looking for his ball, short of the fifth green on Saturday it was, and he steps on this big clump of grass and poof, his ball pops out, right? Back in the day, he would have gotten a penalty for that, for accidentally moving it. No penalty this year. So that's a good one. I mean, that's a common sense rule that's out there. Another good common sense rule they implemented finally, and I'm sure DJ is more than happy over this, but the no penalty for accidentally moving a ball on a putting green. Now, two years ago, Poulter was penalized for this and went on a crazy Instagram rant, which I wish I would have saved at the time because it was one of his best ever. And then DJ, most famously, 2016 U.S. Open at Oakmont. Obviously, we know that that was the infamous DJ penalty of did he, did he not have a penalty? Are they going to tell him? When are they going to tell him? And eventually, DJ wins over Furyk and Saint, you know, Shane Lowry by three shots, so it didn't ever become anything that... Um, lost in the championship, a la Whistling Straits. Right. Right. So those, those are those are two that I think are kind of common sense rules, because, look, if you've ever looked at the rule book, you know, it's like, come on with some of these things. I mean, can't we simplify it for the modern age? Can't we turn four pages of nonsense into a paragraph?
1: And I get in some cases why they need to make things a, a little complicated, but especially for the average golfer to have to to walk around essentially with a, a rule book in your pocket to you know play a, a competitive match at your club or something like that, like that's just silly. And I, I do feel like the the PGA Tour they, they have rules officials around. There really should almost be if there's going to be a situation, there should be someone there who uh, whose job is basically, hey, you know, did you did you mean to move that ball, or did that just happen by accident? Oh, it, it was an accident. Okay, put it back where it was. So let's just move on.
0: Yeah, and you'd hope most guys would be honest with it, unless they're, you know, Patrick Reed. Um, one of the rules that I love is looking for the ball for five minutes, has now been cut down to three minutes. I think that's brilliant. Um, Let's be honest, at a professional event, if you can't find your ball in three minutes, odds are you're not going to find it in five. And let's be serious. How many guys have, or girls, have actually lost their balls at tour events? I mean, especially on the PGA Tour, when the fairways are lined with people. I get it. Some of the early morning groups, some of the LPGA events, the Corn ferry tour events, you might be the only person on a whole. But for the most part, if it can save, you know, people say, well, it's only two minutes. Yeah, I get it. But you don't you don't. people don't get the butterfly effect in a tournament. Right. It takes that group ahead two minutes more to look for it. The group on the T is waiting that much longer. It just backs everything up on the course. So anything that they can do to get these people moving faster, I'm for
1: Right, and there's plenty of volunteers and things like that. Even, even at some of those, at uh, the Corn Ferry and the LPGA, you know, there's less spectators, but there's definitely plenty of people around. Just, you know, move, look for the ball. It's not there. Drop one, re whatever. Move on.
0: Right. Um, one of the ones that I know that you and I in the DSGA, the Dan Scott and Golf Association, which for the most part is a common sense rules. Um scenario when they're applicable. This is, this is something that we've always done, which is repair of almost all damage on putting green, spike marks, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, you're allowed to tap down. Now Bryson had an interesting quote. Bryson says that I see a lot of guys when no one's looking, tapping down everything and making a little depression in areas that make it easier to putt through. Now I'm not gonna lie, Scott. If I'm out and I paid 150 bucks, 75 bucks, whatever for a course, okay and I've got a birdie putt, I've got a par putt of 5, 6, 10 feet, let's say, and there's a spike mark in the way or something there, guess what? I'm tapping that down, and I'm fixing it. And I think most people are like you and I in that situation, especially when we pay for the golf. So having a, a professional player being allowed to tap down a spike mark, I have zero problem with this rule. I actually applaud this rule. This is the one of the other ones I think they got perfectly correct.
1: Yeah, you, you shouldn't be penalized for that situation. You should have the opportunity to play the course as it's meant to be played, not as it happens to be played because there happens to be a spike mark on the you know huge putting surface that you're you know get you your ball to.
0: Right, like how many times have we played when the group in front of us has some enormous walrus that twist their feet around the cup? And, and leaves all these raised marks. And for all of those enormous walruses out there that listen, look, we love you, but just tread a little bit lighter when you're picking your ball up around the cup. I mean, that's one of the most annoying things in the world, that and I think sunflower seeds on the green.
1: Uh, sunflower seeds is a I'm, I'm just going to put that out there.
0: Okay. I, I think the spike marks are because it does more damage, but the the...
1: I'll agree. I'll agree that uh, in terms of of what I want to deal with, it's that because that that is something that theoretically I could remove, but then I have to touch someone's, you know, saliva soaked sunflower seeds.
0: Yeah, well, it's just it's just a a complete common courtesy thing. Like when people drop cigar ashes all over the green, I mean, like. Is it that difficult to put the cigar down on the fringe or the collar outside of it? It's not. I mean, I know that, you know. Um, But regardless. Um, So we have our name, right? Leave the Pin Podcast. Well, you know, for people that don't know, we started off as Leave the Pin In, and then we thought pin and in were a little bit redundant, and LTP sounds cooler than L-T-P-I. And uh, just for branding purposes, we changed it to Leave the Pin, right? Bryson does it, Adam Scott does it. We've always done it when we've putted for the most part. It's not something that I'm religious about. If, if somebody doesn't like putting with the flag stick in, I don't move it. I don't care. It's just, for me, a time thing, right? Plus, I do think it gives me a little bit better depth perception when I'm putting. But here's an interesting quote, Scott, that I dug up that Bryson said, okay? And I'm not even going to give people any context. It's just Bryson being Bryson. Quote, I think the flag stick is interesting. I'm using it to my advantage, best I can.
1: I mean, that's what he should be doing. If it's a rule and he can use it to his advantage, by all means, do it. Yeah. He didn't make the rule. He's just he's just doing what he can with the rules that he's been handed.
0: I, I, I don't think it's going to continue, but I would just love to see Bryson versus the USGA round two in 2020. Mm-hmm. Not sure if we'll get it or not. We'll see. Uh, finally, something that impacts the LPGA more than anything else, and one that I am quite frankly thankful that this is over and done with, is caddies finally are not allowed to line their players up this year. Um, funny enough, one of the biggest penalties came from the PGA tour. Um, Adam Shank, who good Lord, you know, your last name is Shank. Uh, Adam Shank was assessed two stroke penalty because his caddy, Cardi, uh, Cardi <laughs> his caddy Mark Karens was lined up behind him on a hill. He was down in a hill, um, down in a bunker and his caddy was kind of like up above him on the hill figuring while I'm above him, I'm not right behind him. It's good. And so retroactively, they give this guy a two-shot penalty. Um, JT tweets about it, Ricky tweets about it, and they're all upset. Remember those first three months, Scott? The players were like nuts about this stuff. I don't know, maybe they thought they could change things or whatnot. Who knows? But it turned out to be nothingness, and nowadays you don't hear anything uh, 12 months later. And uh, Brendan Steele, our boy Brendan, is, and Denny McCarthy were also penalized for this this year on the PGA Tour. Now, I know you've played with caddies. I've played with caddies. What are your thoughts about having somebody line you up while you're playing a competitive round?
1: Uh, I mean, obviously, you know, part of me thinks that it is an advantage, but part of me doesn't want to be dependent on someone else. Like, I, I, I almost feel like I have to see it and, I don't I almost don't not that I don't trust people, but I have to trust my own eyes first.
0: Well, I think that's 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 part of being a, a pro, right? Like, you know, your your head coach isn't behind you when you're a quarterback telling you who to throw to. I mean, right. part of it is is being able to react and be able to do like do the damn thing yourself.
1: Right. They they turn the the mic off in the players' helmets for a reason during the play. Cuz you don't want voices inside your head while you're trying to hit, you know while you're trying to play football.
0: Yeah. Unless you're Patrick Reed, you might need Justine inside your head. Or maybe she is always inside his head.
1: Uh, uh, I wouldn't be surprised. Would not craziness. hmm
0: Um so that's it with the rule changes. I mean they, you know I say that's it. That was that was it was pretty big. I mean if if you remember January, February, even March uh, up until about the waste management, that's when that's when it kind of hit its 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 zenith of uh, penalizations, if you will, and then things kind of trailed off once we got into the players and we got into the majors, and now you hear nothing of it uh, except for the you know the off penalty here or there, <clears throat> Patrick Reed, and things like that, you know. Exactly. All right, I know next on the list, Scott. And most people would say, "How is this not number one?" Um, well, this could be flip flop back and forth, and these are no numerical order whatsoever. But our boy, Eldrick Taunt Woods, winning the Masters, Scott.
1: Yeah, I, I mean that's for me. That's the the biggest golf story, not only of the year, but I would say of the last ten years. Twenty
0: two years after his first. Masters victory. Now, I've got a bunch of notes on this, and I want people that are listening to listen to what I'm saying, and this is what I want you to get out of this. I want you to get how long Tiger's reign has spanned when you hear some of the stats I give you, when you hear some of the names of the people that finished runner-up to him in the other Masters. Scott, this tournament is one you will never forget, you know, here's my list of top major tournaments. Uh, Tiger at Torrey Pines. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's number one, because I literally, Scott could tell you exactly where I was and what I was feeling Saturday night, Sunday night, Monday, I rushed home from work with it on the radio and just sat down in the basement and just like for three straight days, completely and utterly consumed with that tournament. This one is going to be a very close second.
1: I think it's hard to argue with that. Because, one, no one moves the needle like Tiger. And two, in terms of just overall competitiveness, this one's pretty well up there masters automatically gets it you know a, a bump up a little bit so yeah I, I would i would definitely agree with you
0: all right so let me uh feel free to to interrupt at any point in time okay don't don't feel like you're interrupting just throw in whatever you need but i'm going to give the listeners out there a little rundown of what was a 2019 masters tournament So it starts off on Wednesday, the par-3 contest. Matt Wallace wins the par-3 contest against Sandy Lyle on the third playoff hole. Both of them shot 22, five under par. Now that five number is going to be important later on. Aces were made by Matt Wallace, the winner, Marco Mirror, Shane Lowry, and Devin Bling, the amateur. Wallace then goes on to miss the cut scattoe by five strokes. He beat Sandy Lyle.
1: Yeah, the fact that they have a playoff for that is... Amazing. Why, why wouldn't they just split it? And just be like, all right, co, co-champions. Sandy no. Watt, Lyle, lost.
0: It's, it's the Masters, Scott. They do things their way. And even for something as a silly... Hit and giggle, romp around, you know the 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 side of the property on their amazing par three course. They're dude. gonna get a champion, but I mean, how I mean I, I, I remember texting you and be like, dude, Sandy Lyle is literally like mid seventies. I don't know his actual age, but he's like mid seventies and is in the lead right now because he went off early that morning, and then just <laughs> like Stewart Sink ruined Tom Watson's. Moment of glory, Matt Wallace ruined Sandy Lyle's par-3 chances.
1: Sandy Lyle's 61, in case you didn't hear me.
0: Oh, okay. Well, I was way off then. Still, that's super old. Okay? 61 to be playing against, you know, a 20-something
1: year old. Yeah, that's very old. That's very old in golf years.
0: Um, so we almost had Sandy Lyle, but we get Matt Wallace. And... Uh, he finishes five under par, but then misses the big boy tournament by five strokes. So to keep on with the tradition that a winner of the par three tournament has never in history won the Masters. So weather played a big role that week. Thursday, beautiful 84 degrees. Friday, we had some showers, 84 degrees. Saturday, a little bit of cloudy, 85 degrees. You're saying, how could weather play a role? ha One of the reasons that most people think Tiger played so well and did so well, it's because everybody was around him and he knew what everybody was doing. So play starts at 7:30 a.m. on Sunday. They throw the opening tee times all the way up due to threats of thunderstorms. Really windy around there, wind gusts 25, miles an hour. And Augusta is one of those courses where you and I know this, everyone in golf knows this. The more that you play, the more comfortable you become, the better you score. Very difficult to win the Masters the first time out. Who knows Augusta better than Tiger, Scott? Name them.
1: Jack yeah, get close.
0: That's it. And I don't even know if it would be better. I'd say maybe the same.
1: Um, well, go ahead. Keep going. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll throw something else in when you get to it.
0: Okay, okay. So let's go into the leaders after the rounds. Uh, you mentioned how good of a field this was. Okay, listen to some of these names. First off, leader after round one Bryson and King Kepka. Both of them shoot 70. Where does Tiger sit? T11. After round two, Day and Kepka. Where's Tiger? Bumps up to T6, shot a 68. Our man. Molinari, who has been almost unflappable in the majors until this Sunday, after Saturday's round, he leads at 13-under. Tiger and Finau, 11-under, two strokes back, tied second. Now, before we get to the final round, every single person said, oh my gosh, like, he actually might do it this time. Like, he's only two off the lead, but... Anybody that knows golf and is worth their weight in golf understands how amazing Molinari has been and also understands what Molinari did last year to Tiger in holding him off. So it would stand to reason, Scott, that thinking Molinari is going to run away with this or at least hold everyone off is not that far-flung of an idea, correct?
1: No, it, it definitely wasn't that crazy. To think that Molinari would would hold Tiger off again. Because it literally just happened. Right. You
0: know, and and like, was he going to Y.E. Yang him again? Who knows? But Sunday was literally must-watch TV. So instead of going off in the traditional twosomes, they go off in threesomes to get everyone around the course quicker and, like I said, bump the tee times up till 7.30. Defining shot and literally maybe... Maybe a close runner-up to the putt on 18 at Torrey Pines that gets him into the playoff with Rocco is Tiger's shot at number 12. And most yes. people will that, say... That's, what gonna, that's, that's where I'm going to interview Go ahead. all right. So most people would say, well, I don't know if that's a defined shot. It was kind of boring. But I think the boringness of it was its brilliance. So Molinari rinses his tee shot, right? We're We're talking... Number 12 here, Golden Bell, 155-yard hole. Like, nothing more than an 8-iron for these guys, and for the most part, a 9-iron. But Molinari rinses his shot, and Tiger sees both guys miss. So the whole traditional Sunday placement is far right. Okay? And the slope up front brings the water into play. To the left of that is the bunker. And the safe play would be hit to the middle of the green, hit to the bunker, two-putt. I think tiger playing in the threesome i think tiger being last to hit in that group i think tiger seeing everything that happened beforehand looks at the win looks at the numbers and knows he has to hit whatever it was 152 153 that day take his two putts and move on that's boring but the amount of analytical calculation that needs to go into that at that point in time when your mind might be spinning knowing that 22 years after you won your first master's that knowing 10 years after your last major ever coming back from addiction coming back from everything i can only imagine what's happening in his mind in those 30 to 40 seconds that he's trying to decide exactly what to do and him and Lacava are, are sitting there and going over the strategy. And you see him pull out the club. And the announcers say something along the lines of, oh, I think he's going to the middle of the green. And I don't remember who it was, Scott. And I wish I would have watched it. But one of them said, absolutely brilliant.
1: It, so it is brilliant. And after the round, Tiger actually gave credit to Jack for that strategy. Just that's Jack's strategy just hit it between the bunkers get your par and move on and so many times that's where it turns around for people um and there's people for whom the tournament is seemingly won i'm looking at you jordan spieth uh who pop it in the water and that's it for them so tiger just again remembering that lesson and going all right i'm just gonna hit to the middle of the green and just Call it a day, and uh, you know again, it is absolutely brilliant.
0: Because Sunday at number twelve is not where you make birdie.
1: No, not at all, and that it's it's barely a birdie hole to begin with. And with that pin placement that they have on Sunday, it's definitely not.
0: I think the brilliance of that hole, and, and and take away the beauty, take away the the blooming azaleas. Take away Hogan's Bridge, Snead's take all that stuff out of the equation. Take away Race Creek, um, take away the fact that you can see the 11th green and the 13th tee box from it, and, and the fact that it's probably my most favorite spot on the course. Take all that away. And the brilliance of that hole is the fact that it plays to a pro golfer's sense of egotism, Right? A pro golfer will tell you, I've never hit a bad shot, like never, because the second that they let that doubt creep in their head, they understand that it's there permanently and you're never going to erase it. It's scar tissue, right? It's like when you and I putt, we leave putt short most of the time. Why? I'm not going to lie. I'm scared of the ball going three feet past because I'm scared of having a three footer. But watch a kid putt. A kid doesn't care. A kid will ram it 12 feet by. Because what's the worst thing that happens is you have another another putt. Well, I'll just go and make that putt, and that's what most of the tour players do. They say, "I got a nine iron, I got an eight iron in my hands, I could dunk this if I wanted to," and it plays into the sense of egotism, and and a lot of these guys just can't pull off that that touch shot. Jordan Spieth did it, then Jordan Spieth chunked it again into the water. I mean, Molinari yeah. did it. Sergio's done it there. Um, it's, it's, it's a brilliant hole. It's a brilliant course. And I think that strategy gets overlooked. And I love the fact that Tiger spoke about it at the end. Yep. So Tiger wins at 13 under. One stroke over DJ, Brooks, and Xander Shoffley. Like that's a murderer's row of people in second place.
1: Yeah, uh, and I don't think, was Rom in the mix this year? No, that was last year.
0: Yeah, that was, that was last year. Um, obviously, Molinari was, but then he kind of, you know, crapped the bed as he as he went in. Um, soon to be, PJ Tour Superstar uh, Superstore, <laughs> Superstore Victor Hovlin uh, wins Loam. He wins the Silver Cup, and obviously, the world goes nuts, and rightly so. So, I'm going to give you Tigers five majors, and I'm going to give you the year he won, Scott, the score he won at, and who the runner-up was. And I want you to kind of and the listeners to get an idea of how long in golf history this man's career has gone. We already mentioned DJ Brooks and Xander as this year's runner-ups. 2019, he wins at 13-under. Okay, let's go from the beginning. 1997, Wright sets the Masters record, shocks the world, 18-under par, Tom Kite is runner-up. 2001, 16 under par. Double D, David Duval runner-up. 2002, 12 under par. Ratif Goosen, runner-up. 2005, 12 under. That's the Chris DeMarco year. Okay? Guess what all four of those people have in common, Scott?
1: Uh, all four of those people have no master's.
0: Well, that's, that's very good. That is true. All right. But all four of those people are non competitive at this stage in the game. And who is still out there winning Masters? Who is still the Vegas bet year in and year out to win? The man has literally transcended golf.
1: Hmm. That would be Tiger Woods. Very true.
0: All right. So Tiger won the Masters. Uh, here's one of my favorite ones, Scott. Because the man is a petulant child. Um, he, unfortunately, has a master's jacket. Um, he is also spitting cups. He has gone on campaigns of kissing babies and, and helping old women across the street to try to repair his name. It's Mr. Sergio Garcia. Uh, we remember him scissor-kicking up the fairway at the PGA when he was beat by who?
1: Uh, that would be Tiger Woods, probably. Correct.
0: So at the Saudi International this year, one of the fun—well, I, I got that. I apologize, people. Not a funny story. Moronic stories. Was Sergio destroying the greens? Uh, the final round, dude's thirty-nine years old, right? Has a child. DQ'd in Saudi after accepting half a mil to play there. After numerous groups complained of the condition of the greens, what what blows my mind? is there's no video of this whatsoever. However, what did surface in the same round was video of him destroying a sand trap.
1: Uh, yeah, that's not a good look there, Sergio. Just, just, and I think I said this when we talked about it originally, you got to check yourself a little bit. Like, first of all, you know, it's one thing to, to have a temper tantrum, but when you're doing things that affect competition, and you're affecting other people, then there's just something wrong with that. Like you really need to maybe get yourself some help.
0: I just don't know where he gets off thinking that I can do this, but no one else can. Because he's so emotional. Imagine someone doing that before his group,
1: right? Like it's He'd just freak, it's freak, not. Freak that's, that's the thing. He he would freak out. He he would definitely be upset about. It.
0: Yeah, it. it uh, I can't condone it. I can't justify. It. I can't. I. I used to. Not that I was a fan of his, but I didn't mind him. Right to me, he was just background noise. He was white noise. He was nothingness. Now he's in. Uh, you know, this the the same boat to me as as what John Daly has become to me. You know, I used to like John Daly. Um. But after, the, you know, his nonsense of his knee and all this BS and the fact that he just continually destroys himself, like, I can't get on board with that at all. And I definitely cannot get on board with Sergio. I, my biggest thing with this, Scott, is how is there no video evidence of it? Somebody out there has to have it and nothing has surfaced. I guess in Saudi Arabia you can kind of understand them covering things up. But right. it, seem, it seems like the European tour is just like, hey, this is one of our golden children. Um, he can't do any wrong. Yeah, we dq him, but we can't show you why.
1: Right. I, the other thing is, I mean, it's Saudi Arabia, so maybe the Euro tour didn't send all of their uh, video equipment over. So maybe there's a possibility that they weren't filming Sergio while this was happening. I'm inclined to think that they just buried it, but
0: yeah, I mean that's that's probably the more rational point that you're making, you know, who knows he could have been so far out of it that he was off well before anybody in the final rounds. And quite honestly, they probably only had cameras set up on the few holes and then had maybe one or two roving cameras on, you know, the people closest to the to the top of the leaderboard.
1: Right. And if it's the PGA Tour, there's a good chance it's going to be on camera. But a Tour in Saudi Arabia? Mm. Nah, maybe not.
0: Yeah, and, and to make it worse is the fact that when he does this stuff, all it does is let people go into his past history and bring up some of the other things. right? Like his racist co- comments about Tiger and fried chicken at the Masters. Uh, when he spit in the cup. Um, and then went and said, no, nah, I didn't really spit. And I was just like, Puh. and that's not like spitting in the cup. Like I didn't mean to spit in the cup, but I spit in the cup. It's like the Rick James, uh, Eddie, Mur- uh, Charlie Murphy skit on yeah. Chappelle. Right. He's like, nah, why, why would someone in my you know, position put my feet and put mud all over his couch? I didn't, if his couch, it wasn't me. Why would I do something like that? Yeah. I remember doing that to his couch.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly.
0: So and then obviously he destroys the bunker at, at the at the same event. You know, uh, yep. why don't we why don't we move on from one moron uh, to another moron? Uh, one of the funniest texts that you sent me was this actually happened this year. Mister Kucher not paying L two cam. We're not going to beat this again. Um, like Kucher should have got beaten for doing it, but uh, the story goes really quickly for the people that don't remember. I don't know how you can't. Is that at Mayakoba? Kuchar wins and pays his caddy five thousand dollars after winning one point two million that week. Um, it turned into such a social media fiasco that even Kuchar's grandmother called him and says she was upset about hearing about it on the news. He ends up giving him fifty k. Um, we talked about this in a prior episode back when it happened. And I think the biggest thing that came out of this, Scott, is how out of touch Kuchar probably is with what regular things cost.
1: Exactly, and and all these people, everything's handed to them. You and I have been, you know, behind the scenes at professional golf tournaments. We know what is provided at. at I mean, to players, just food wise. And that's, you know, pretty much anything they could possibly want is, is given to them. There's people there to help them with tickets, you know, for plane, plane tickets. People there to help them with transportation back and forth to the course. People there to provide them with, you know, hotel recommendations and to take care of those for them. Take that and amplify it by, you know, Kut- you know to coocher who's absurdly wealthy, he has no idea what regular people pay for things. So, and just the, the absolute complete out of touchness of just writing the guy a check for 5,000 bucks and thinking that's cool, that that's a lot of money for, uh, you know, people there. Uh, come on. R- write the guy a check.
0: Yeah. I mean, and, uh, you know, the fact that it had to go like, to his agent, and then all these stories came out about him. And then, the, you know, what's funny is it really did crack the facade of what people thought Kuchar was. Everyone thought he was going around, smiling, uh, cheerio, good day, oh gosh, golly, that shot was a stinkeroo. Like, that's what everyone thought Kuchar was, and now they can realize, like, okay, hey, man, he's just a dick. Like, you know, that, that's who he really yeah. is. Exactly. It's like, you know, it's, it's the old montage of, uh, or the old adage, excuse me, of, you know, never meet your idols, right? Because it's it's easier to idolize somebody from far away than to see all their flaws and imperfections up close.
1: Right. Uh, speaking of, of social media and people whose personalities really, really come out on that, and this is sort of not exactly related, but... In in talking about, you know, the year in review, I would think that Phil Mickelson's social media presence this year climbed up, you know, in an infinite amount of spots.
0: I want to ask you a question. I've got got a few theories about this. I want to ask you an honest question. I know you're a big Phil fan. I like Phil. I like Phil a lot. Not Mm -hmm. in my my top five, but it is what it is. Um, How much of that, Scott, do you think is him? And how much of that do you think is is cultivated by maybe um, personal media sources that he has contracts with, affiliations with or personal handlers? You know, do you think do you think that's him the whole time coming up with these ideas? or do you think he's got a team of people behind him that are are, are kind of helping out as well?
1: Uh, I would say it's seventy five percent the team, twenty five percent Phil coming up with crazy ideas that the team then has to make work.
0: And Phil just does a good job acting.
1: Yes, because I, I like so there are some things that I think are probably like his idea that he pitches to this team, like, "Hey, you know, it'd be awesome if I." sat in my car on the way to the masters and I talked about hitting bombs and I just talk about that like as I'm dropping in
0: I and did I, like that what's that I like that one a lot
1: yeah I like that one a lot too and then I think the, so the social media team is like yeah just you know that'll be fine just do whatever you want then there's other ones like the the president Cup one where he's probably like yeah he's like I, I have to figure out something to do here. Uh, Because I'm not going to be there. Um, uh, Here's what I'm going to do. Like, I'm going to get a bunch of, like, USA pajamas, and and I'm just going to show myself sitting around. Yeah. No, that's not going to work. Here's what we got to, you know, here's how we're going to do it. And they just make it work around Phil's crazy plan.
0: Uh, You know, part of me... Loves them and they're funny. Now I'm not gonna lie, I like the Phil Fireside chats, I don't sit and watch those at all. Um, but it's too it's too polished for me. It's too mainstream TV. It's too ABC NBC like. You know, I, I definitely like things that revolve around the outer edges of golf instead of being that finely polished diamond. You know, I, I kind of like. A little bit scruffy around the edges. I I prefer the tour pros who, you know, it's them, videoing themselves. You know what I mean? Taking selfie videos and talking you through a round, or or jumping on and showing you playing them playing on the on an off weekend or something like that. But the problem is, I think when you're a guy like Phil, when you're in that position, you're worth so much money regardless of how much you've lost in insider trading. I think you need to be so cognizant of what you put out there and how it's put out, and especially when you have all of these big-time companies behind you. I mean, you know, billion-dollar companies that are supporting you. I feel like Phil might be a really funny guy, but he can only kind of scratch the surface of that humor because he's still playing and he's still got to satisfy these kind of like contractual obligations.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And that's the thing. So I think what what I'm trying to say is that he almost has, like, that, like, the, you know, I think it was Charlie Sheen who had, like, a guy who he would give his phone to before he sent out a tweet. You know, like, the the guy who would, you know, be responsible to tell him not to hit send. I think- yeah, well,
0: you know, that it's funny you mention that. Because remember when Charlie Sheen went off the deep end? He was talking about, like, Tiger's blood and all this stuff, man. I'm, like, reborn. In the beginning, when it was him, it was fantastic. And then what happened? Sponsors got involved, right? Handlers got involved. And then it just jumped the shark.
1: Yep, exactly. And that's what I'm saying, is that, that Phil, because he has all these deals, he can't be controversial. So he has that team who is like, okay, like, what can we get away with? What can he say? can he say this and it's not going to make, you know, this sponsor angry. So, you know, I think the job that they've done within those parameters is pretty decent. Um, uh, you know, short of the, uh, you know, endless conversations about his calves.
0: Yeah. Sometimes there's also beating a dead horse. And I think Phil doesn't understand the uh, social consciousness and how long they're kind of um... – attention span is and he kind of likes to play things out a little bit too much but you know it is what it is uh it's funny the first few times and after a while it kind of gets bogged down um but that's that's a good one i you know i here here's a hot take scott you ready yep phil mickelson is golf's peyton manning
1: very true very true Right, that's I, yeah. So he is. And does that does that make Tiger, you know, or does that make Brett Favre the uh, NFL's Tiger Woods?
0: Oh Jesus, I was gonna, I don't know. No, no, because Brett Favre had never redeemed himself. Never came back.
1: Oh, he came back twice. <laughs>
0: yeah, but he. he the only time he ever did know, something was with the Vikings. Know you know what I mean?
1: <laughs> yeah, no, no, I know what you're saying.
0: Yeah, he came back with the Vikings, and he ruined our team.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, because he decided he had to play with a shoulder injury, but uh and it
0: cost him draft picks for years to come and money. Oh, whatever. Anyway,
1: yeah, that's uh, um, because this becomes a Jets podcast. No one's going to listen. Yeah.
0: Um, so last thing I have is is one of the big things which. Didn't really do much, but it's kind of hilarious. And its name is uh, the Corn Ferry Tour name change, or the Corn Tour name change, if you will. And the funny thing is, Scott, you know it was Web.com, and it happened literally mid-season. Now you know my good buddy Mike Creed is is a caddy out there, and uh, he texted me and he was like, "Hey, dude, we're getting a name change." And I was like, "What do you you mean we? Like, you don't play for a team, dude? You're changing your name?" He's like, "No, we're going to be called the Corn Ferry Tour." I'm like, who's gonna be called the Corn Ferry Tour? We have these series of texts going back and forth. I'm just like, what the hell are you even talking about? And he's like, web.com got bought out by Corn Ferry. And, and I mean, you know, you say that to somebody back then, and the running joke is like, like what, what the, what does that mean? Like, is it an agricultural company? Is it a a, a river oh. transportation company? And so they replaced Web.com as the operating sponsor of the PJ Tour's developmental tour, which has been known as the following. The Hogan Tour, Nike Tour, Buy.com, Nationwide Tour, Web.com, and now finally the Corn Ferry Tour. So I asked him, I said, what are you going to notice day in and day out? He said, nothing, just the sponsorship names. That's really it. But he was very surprised and very happy at some of the changes that did occur. So small little perks like better food at some tournaments, nicer transportation, um, easier easier route schedule uh, to and from venues. Um, one of the biggest things he told me that he loved were these new caddy bibs. He goes, we used to get the same caddy bibs week in and week out, and I could tell that some of them had not been changed or cleaned. And I said, well, how can you tell? He goes, well, I'll tell you a story. He goes, one week, my buddy's player starts uh, hitting balls in the range, and he busts open a callus, starts bleeding. So they use some, some new skin. They tape it down. But at one point, he puts his hand on his caddy's shoulder, and he bleeds on the bib. Well, the next week, Mike gets that bib with the blood on it. And, or Mike knew somebody that had the blood on it, or something along those lines. And and uh, he's like, I like, I could tell, dude. It was the same dirty bib. Like, it, like I know that stain was there. Like, what are you guys trying to do? But now they get nice new bibs every week and stuff. And he said it's just a small little perks. So I did a little research,
1: that Scott. A long time coming there too. What's that? Some of that stuff's a long time coming.
0: Oh, for sure. I mean, it, they should be treated so much better down there. Um, you know, I think, at the, I think at the end, web.com was probably like, look, we got two years on this freaking contract. We're not going to renew it. We don't want to put any money into this thing. It's not benefiting us. And I think they just became like lame ducks, you know? That makes sense. So everyone was like, what is this place? And I did a little research and I found out what it was or what it is. Uh, Corn Ferry in. an... Los Angeles-based global consulting firm that specializes in executive recruitment. They have nearly 9,000 employees in over 50 countries.
1: Mm.
0: So Wichita Open was the first event under the new name. Everything ran flawlessly because, let's be honest, they, they really don't do much. They just give them money and their name goes everywhere. You know, For everyone that's like, oh, they're sponsoring a tournament, yeah, it's, it's simple. You want to know how to sponsor a tournament on the Corn Ferry tour? Uh, pony up $1.5 million, give it to the tournament, and there you go. That's how you sponsor a tournament. Yep. It's not difficult. And so Corn Ferry is just doing this on a on a much bigger scale, and they're sponsoring the entire tour. So, you know. Everybody that works for the tour works for the PGA. It's not like web.com brought their people in to run tournaments, you know, so don't get that twisted. But um, it's actually the first professional sports sponsorship deal for the company. So I don't know if they're looking at making inroads there or what. But, uh, but they did, and we get a great name, and now we get the Corn Tour. That is with a K as well.
1: Yeah, we can all be free on leashes.
0: Yes, very true. Very, very true. We'll go up and down the shoots and ladders all year long, following the corn tour. Uh, I, that's all I got, Scott, on my list sheet. What do you got? Anything else?
1: All right. So I, I have a couple things that I thought were were really cool this year. Um, the the first thing I thought uh, that we haven't already talked about uh, is the well. We'll talk about the major schedule. With the the PGA championship flipping to spring.
0: Yeah, it's a big one. I couldn't hear
1: what you said. So you end up with, uh, you know, basically five months in a row with either a major or a a really significant tournament, which is not a major, but, you know, (laughs) it's the the most important tournament, the uh, Players' Championship. So I thought that was kind of cool. Um, it will open the PGA Championship up to some courses that maybe were inaccessible or not, not really the best choice for August. Um, I still don't love that they essentially took their identity away, which was that it was the last major. Um, but, I, I mean, we'll, we'll see how that goes.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, one of the coolest taglines was Glory's last shot.
1: Right. That, that was their that was their tagline. That was their identity, and now they they've given that identity up. I so now it's the one between the Masters and the US Open.
0: Yeah, and I don't know how you grow as a major. It, look, it's always been considered the the lesser of the four, and so I don't know how you grow as a major when you're getting screwed in that time slot. However, like you mentioned, and I think the biggest win out of this is the fact that there are now a plethora of courses that they can go to across the country um, that they would not be able to go to in those dog days of summer.
1: Yeah. I think this is cool for us. I don't think it accomplishes anything for them. But whatever. I I don't care. (laughs) I'm I'm, I'm out for me. And if if this is going to get it to places that it hasn't been before and it, you know, puts me in a spot where I have, you know, significant golf to watch, I'll, I'm happy.
0: Yeah, I think that's, that's probably the best way that they go and create a new identity in this, in this new uh, era, maybe over this decade, is going to cool courses that have never hosted a major before and that people want to see. You know, and that becomes their identity. Like, oh, my gosh, where's the PGA going to go next?
1: Right, right. And, and it should be places that are not part of regular rotations for things. And I thought it was really cool that they were Beth Bethpage this year. That was a deal that was done before the schedule change. Um, and Bethpage obviously being literally, you know, our, our childhood backyard. Uh, that was cool to see. It's cool to be there. Um, but in all honesty, I, I, I they don't need to go back there. You know, to, to make me happy, they do not need to go back there. Right, they were there, yeah. the U.S. Open was there. Um, once again, it was you know super muddy most of the week, and it, it's for me, it's it's just done. I, I don't need to watch tournament golf there again.
0: Right, there are a lot of other courses that they can hit up um, that they haven't yet.
1: Have, having said all that, uh, I will dovetail into the next thing, which is the you know absolute domination of Brooks Capco, uh, the first round of Page, where the tournament was essentially won on Thursday. Uh, DJ did have that little bit of a, a run on Sunday, but maybe a little bit of scare into it, but you Know ultimately, you know, Kefka too strong to uh to lose that one, so thought that one was pretty cool. The round of the year, in your opinion, it's hard to argue that it wasn't, yeah. Um, yeah, it's I mean, and it was one of those things where nobody played really that well except for him and he played lights out i mean it was it it was as good of a round of golf that i think almost anyone's ever played yeah
0: i i cannot agree i mean that that's that's literally my round
1: of the year right there yep so and then the other thing that was new this year Uh, we talked about the Masters before but the the week before the uh, Augusta National Women's Amateur um, I thought the fact that you know if we're talking about trying to grow the game and getting more people involved getting more people into the spotlight I really think you know for all of their failings uh, in the past and all of their, you know, exclusivity is there it's hard to argue that there's anyone doing more to grow the game right now than Augusta literally just by having this tour.
0: Well, you know what's hilarious is the fact that everybody out there in golf talks about growing the game. Augusta and the Masters are literally the only people out there that are doing anything about that.
1: Truth very
0: true. USGA goes on and on and on, grow the game. PGA and their professionals go on and on and on about growing the game, but what are they actually doing? And maybe they're doing little things behind the scenes, and I understand they are with, you know, getting to golf series and all these things with drive, chip, and putt, and I get it. But on a global scale, and using your pedestal for goodness in the game. I mean, who tops Augusta? Nobody. Exactly. And I'm not saying that just to kind of garner favor with them. Hell, we haven't been the Masters since 2013, so obviously that's not working. I mean, they realistically are the ones that are pushing the barriers and and, and pushing the envelope, which is nuts, considering that as, as recent as 15, 20 years ago, they were the ones trying to keep the envelope sealed truth crazy times
1: exactly that's that i mean that's pretty much it and tiger obviously that's my my big one
0: yeah and tiger and tiger that's kind of the story of the year wasn't it
1: exactly so i think we leave it at that
0: all right cool i want to do some thank yous real quick scotto um and if you're out there and you're listening and you're new uh, it's got a message from B Matt. Yeah. On Instagram that told me, Hey man, just listening to you guys for the first time, got through you through Keystone golf collective. So uh, big shout out there. Appreciate. And I just messaged him back. I said, Hey man, I said, we're uh, actually recording our year end podcast right now. So I'm gonna give him a thanks. But if you're new to the program, okay. And this is our last one of the year. So you got, you got a few days before we hit up Kapaloo and all that stuff. Go back into the archives Okay, look at who we've had on the show. Check out some of the other episodes. All right, do yourself a favor. You're going to have some downtime after the holidays. Wind down a little bit after you've done stuffing yourself and eaten everything inside and opening tons of presents, you know? Once you've got some downtime, slap the headphones in, pop it in your car, wherever you listen, and uh, go to town on some of these back episodes. So some of the people that I want to thank are people we've had on. And any of these names interest you, Go back into the archives and check out the pods with them. I want to thank Mike Creed and Dan Urban, web dot, geez, web.com. Yeah, sure. KFT, Corn Ferry Tour caddies. Um, I want to thank Peyton Mullane. Brian Mogg plays on the Latino America Tour. Tiff, Joe, and Jane Park of the LPGA Tour. Byron Meth, another Corn Ferry Tour guy. uh Chris over at Boston Scott Golf, one of our great sponsors. Nick Biondi, who's out there. Trying to grind on PJ Tour Latino American is hitting up Q School soon. He's going to be on the pod uh, solo pod with just him. I want to thank Ben from some guy's backyard. They did some great things out there in Kansas. Mm-hmm. Tad Fujikawa from Hawaii. Kyle from Knox Diff Golf from Alaska. Uh, another one of our sponsors, Diego Castro from McEwen Golf. They make incredible gear. Check them out. My um, man from the ATL, Dougie Bernard of the Golf Clam um new england's finest john panoni of spargo golf max arden the putter kid uh, bridget whelan my man colin morikawa who even though he does not leave the pin in we still love you jason gore the big man for giving us our start and holding it down for the usga uh, doug from mulligan's golf steve ime who was on the corn ferry tour last year is out grinding on the mini tours now cutter and buck clothing company, Joe Griner, who's Max Homa's caddy had him on the day after Max Homa won the Wells Fargo. And then finally, Haley Moore, the University of Arizona national champion, who made her way out onto the LPGA Tour this year. Scott, I would be remiss if I did not thank my wife and kids for supporting this, and then more so you for having the other hand in this podcast.
1: Uh, Did you talk about uh you mentioned tyler and and dan as well no not
0: yet i was gonna save them for the end oh beautiful i was gonna let you thank anyone that you needed to and then uh and then we'll get to the rest of the crew well
1: obviously my my wife and daughter who uh have managed to keep quiet this entire episode uh you know i want to thank them uh i have to thank (laughs) i'm gonna thank one of our our listeners uh his name's Ed. He's the custodian in the, the building that I work in. He cleans my office. And uh, he's uh he's a big fan. So right,
0: my man Ed, we gotta we gotta tee it up sometime then.
1: Uh yeah. He actually texted me today he wanted to go out. <laughs> but I, I couldn't. But uh yeah. Thanks, Ed. That's uh that's all I got.
0: All right. Well, I, I guess it's probably a good time to let people know that um, if you haven't been listening or haven't followed on Instagram at Leave the Pin, um, one of the big things is that the Leave the Pin podcast and family is expanding. It's like we're having children, Scott. We're popping them out left and right here, uh, bringing people into the orphanage, if you will. So mm-hmm. we've got myself, Dan, uh, obviously, you've heard my, my other half, Scott, and you can find him on Instagram at LTP. Is it underscore Scott or Scott?
1: Underscore Scott.
0: Yeah, that's how we're doing everyone with the leave the pin in the beginning. Um, Tyler, the creator, everyone knows him from doing our digital designs and all of our t-shirts, which are up at bonfire.com. Also link in our bio on Instagram. Tyler is LTP underscore creator. Uh, We've got our buddy Dan from Train On Main who's working on his account. And uh, Dan's been with us from the beginning from kind of – sponsoring to hanging out and now uh, a part of the show and then our newest uh, leave the pin compadre friend of the pod who's going to be with us our west coast correspondent derek and you people all know him as golfing with dad and he's now also at ltp underscore golfing with dad so you can check him out there he's going to be doing a ton of our west coast tournaments for things that we can't get out to we're gonna have him on the pod, and uh, 2020 shaping up to be uh, a pretty damn big year, Scott.
1: Exactly. Oh, West Coast correspondent—that's pretty crazy.
0: Yeah, you know, you know, when uh, back in the day, when rappers from the East Coast were killing rappers from the West Coast, and vice versa, you would think that a day like this might never exist. Uh, but we have come to terms with our brothers to the left of us. And uh, we have found peace, Scott, and we have found peace amongst golf.
1: Well, that's a beautiful thing, and golf will always bring people together.
0: And golf will never die.
1: Hopefully not.
0: But your favorite rapper, Mike. Because
1: then we're going to have to talk about the the Jets.
0: (laughs) And, Scotto, nobody wants that. Hey, man, listen, have a great Christmas, have a great New Year's, and... uh, I guess we'll do this again when Kapalua comes around, huh?
1: Exactly, exactly. Back at you.
0: All right, people. So either get busy golfing or get busy dying.
1: Happy New Year.